if we've not met before, my name's Peter, um, and uh, I'm just going to be moving now into uh, just looking at a message for this morning. So um, I want to um, just start by acknowledging, um, I guess, what's gone before. We're continuing with our new series, uh, Perennials, and um, one of the things Perennials makes me think about is it makes me think about... Um, flowers that come back again and again year after year after year and uh this is um if i can can i do the is the do we work it no no okay uh maybe it isn't do you want to just go to the next slide yeah great um and this is one of the things that makes me think about i think about um snowdrops actually in because snowdrops in the woodlands where i'm from uh always sort of heralds the changing of the seasons and it's a sign, sign of hope that spring's coming and it's like oh the snowdrops are out, so the winter's passed and we're moving into a new a new season. It's such a hopeful sight. Um, and um, Peter said uh, this um, uh, in his uh, second letter, uh, and this is kind of it what perennials are. He says, you know, I'll remind you of these things. Even though you know them, even though you're firmly established in the truth you now have, I think it's right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent that's in this body. So there's a sense of which, actually, there's some things we just periodically we want to, remind ourselves about we want to relook at we want to bring them to mind you know as a rhythm of our life as a rhythm of our life together that's that's what this perennial series is it's kind of what i think it's called what we love and why but it's those things that really are key priorities key foundations for who we are what we're up to what god's doing amongst us and um so matthew started us off didn't he with our priority of worship uh, that we make space to intentionally dwell in the presence of god and put on our lips a declaration of who he is, our love for him, and why he is so worth our love and our allegiance. And and worship is a great place to start with his perennials. Lloyd last week moved us forward with the priority of the word, that we are a people of the book. Uh, like the Bereans uh, in the New Testament uh, said, they searched the scriptures to see if what was said to them was true. And um, Lloyd reminded us that actually, the revealed word of God in the scriptures actually sits above tradition. It sits above reason. It sits above our experience as the arbiter of what God says and what God, what is true. And um, the scriptures are that, that plumb line for us. They help us to build well and to build straight. And you remember it, was, it wasn't so much about finding individual proof texts because it's quite easy to rip a little phrase out of context and make it mean what you want it to mean as more about drinking in and understanding the rich, big themes woven right across the scriptures. Uh, indeed, the kind of the pathways of that moku that um, Simon was talking about in his dream. You know, how do we, how do we trace out those, those pathways and see um, what, what's we woven right through? And, and, you know, if we claim to be followers of Jesus, and I think we can learn from his attitude to the scriptures, you know, Jesus said the scripture cannot be broken. He said his words are eternal. He used them to fend off tests from the evil one. And he saw his life purpose as set out in them. He used them, remember, on the road to Emmaus to interpret and help to explain the meaning behind his death and his resurrection. And so we want to be absolutely rooted in the truth of the scriptures. And um, so that was our second thing. Lloyd did an amazing job uh, sharing that with us. I wanted to remind you of those two things we've got. So going to move on to um, third third area today. But actually this, let's see if this, let's try if this. No, Rob, you're going to have to do it again. Did it work? Oh, fantastic. Oh, right. Okay. Right. Temporary. Okay. So here's a little segue between uh, those first two and what I'm going to talk about today. And again, this is another proof text, very popular, well-known text. All scriptures God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And we would probably say, yeah, 
And Lloyd would say, yeah, that's, that's right. That's links to my talk on the word. Um, but, but as ever with these things, it's always good to just keep going with those texts. And so the keep going is the so that. So that. Oops. The servant of God may be thoroughly... Oops, go back one. Hold on. There's obviously a little lag on this. There we go. This, yeah, yeah. The servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's the why. Why do we have this amazing God-inspired word, God-breathed word that's totally useful for us? It's for this. This is what it's for. So that servants of God, that's an interesting phrase, we'll come back to that, might be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So that moves us on to our topic for today. Now, for this next slide, I've got to say, I haven't hard about whether to even put this slide in here, and I'll tell you why in a second. Let me just move it on. <sighs> okay. This is a quote from Tim Carroll. It says, all Christians are to minister both in word and deed, especially to those in the world lacking material goods, social capital, and power. And then there's some words underneath that that describes some of those people and some of those uh, situations that people might find themselves in. And um, so that's an interesting phrase. But let me tell you why I debated about whether to put this in. Because um, there, there are patterns that we recognize in our lives, right? And one of those patterns goes a bit like this. You know, when someone's really keen on something, they, they, they might talk to you about it. And one of the first things they say is, you know what, this is really, really important. Everybody should, everybody should be doing this. And you go, yeah, that's interesting. You know, I know it's your thing. And I know that because you're enthusiastic about it, you think, well, everybody should be enthusiastic about it. But it's actually your thing. And go well in your thing. I'm doing my thing. You do you, I'll do me. That's kind of how we go. And this is one of those um, phrases, actually. You know, imagine that we would be serving those in need. And I, I sort of deliberately didn't use the phrase of the poor because that can kind of conjure things, some, something up for us. But actually all those aspects, so people who basically are lacking material goods and social capital, the ability to get things done, the ability to make the connections, the ability to build and participate fully in life, or power, those people who actually find themselves voiceless in important ways, and probably some of us find ourselves voiceless in certain ways in our lives. So, so that sense of, of, of what it means to be in need and be poor is something that, um, according to this uh, very, you know, pastor I respect a lot, says actually all Christians are supposed to minister, supposed to serve in word and in deed. Now, why don't we be like the Bereans like we were hearing about last week? Let's not just take what some preacher like Tim Keller says. Let's search the scriptures and see if it's true, because that's our plumb line, remember? So we don't just take that and we're not going to... So that's what we're going to have a little look at this morning. So here, hopefully, is our running order. So we're going to look at this. So we are created to serve. We'll look at God's alternative society and the upside down kingdom. What does that mean? We'll look at how central this is actually to the gospel. Is it really an option or actually is it something that's right at the heart of what it means to be a follower of Jesus and what it, heart of what it means to be saved by grace through faith? And then what are the keys with all that to moving forward? So let's start then with the first bit about you know, what is our DNA as a people and as a, as, a, as a church? So, well, here's some scriptures. If you've got scriptures, if you've got your Bible this morning, Joe, feel free to kind of follow along. I'm not going to turn to each one of these because we're 
this is one of those themes that we are going to canter right the way through lots of different bits of the Bible. So we're not going to dwell on one thing for a long time. Um, but you know what? Feel free to have a look at it, look, look at it for yourself as you're going. Just 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 swoosh quickly if you've got. If you'll be able to flick quick, quickly through the pages if if uh, if you're like this and you've got a, a physical Bible and maybe you'll have to swipe quickly if you've got a if you've got some other kind of electronic kind of device Bible. So so this is the first uh, thing that came to mind for me was you know we are the um, with the children of Abraham, actually, we're, he's a fa- he's a father in the faith. Um, and um, think back first of all to God's very first promise to Abraham. Um, so this is back in uh, Genesis twelve, and um, God says to him, "You know, I will bless you. I will make you into a great nation." And He says, "You will be blessed, and all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you because of you." So there's a core principle there for us, which is this, that we, when we are blessed, we're blessed to be a blessing. So B to B A B, blessed to be a blessing. That's actually our DNA. If you had to say what was our sequence, this is in our genetic sequence. Okay, B to B A B, blessed to be a blessing. And uh, you might say, well, that's all very good, but that was the Old Testament. Well, what about the New Testament? Well, um, again, we'll probably look at, um, at another uh, very well-known uh, proof verse. So if you go to Ephesians 2, verse 8, what you'll see is, um, if I wanna, I'm just going to turn to that now while we're talking. Just bring it up so that I quote it correctly. Uh, so it's in here somewhere. Who's stolen Ephesians? Oh, there it is. Ephesians 2. Yeah. So verse 8 says, and again, another very well-known proof text. There's probably a, a message in here, which is whenever you read a well-known popular proof text, just keep reading the next bit and it will be very significant. So here's another one. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves is the gift of God, not by go, not by works so no one can boast. That's the bit we all know very well. Then it goes on to say, for, why? Because. We are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So we're not saved by good works, but we are absolutely saved for good works. And that's the link that's here. We're absolutely saved. And so we have this amazing kind of um, revelation here that right through the course of our lives, our individual and our corrective lives, God is working behind the scene, preparing some stuff in advance. And that stuff in advance is for us to be serving, to be blessing, to be doing good, doing good through through giving on, on what we've received. So so it looks like we are created to serve. And that's and you might say, well, that's individual. You know, you, by grace, you've been saved. And it is, sounds like all about salvation. But again, if we were to flick a bit further on, Ephesians 4 verse 11 to 16 again same idea you know the well-known bit you know well God gave apostles prophets pastors and teachers evangelists uh, evangelists pastors and teachers why to prepare God's people for works of service so the body of Christ will be built up will become mature will be unity in the faith will be holy and attain to the full stature and and all of that will happen when when this body is built up as each part does its work. That work of all of us, all together, the whole of us, doing this thing called works of service. Working out, bringing that blessing. So, so we can see that both in our DNA, right from the time of Abraham, right through to the church now, 
you know, we're saved for good works. And actually, as we do those good works, that's going to be what builds the church. It's going to be all of us doing. So even when we have people who are, quote, gifted, you know, as a teacher or as a prophet, whatever, they're not gifted to be the doers. We're not like, this isn't a spectator sport where we watch them go, oh, a bit like we watch football. Oh, they're brilliant. I can never do that. Look at them doing that amazing stuff. No, 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 no. They're kind of like, they're not like the players. They're like the coach. We're actually the team. And that's what God's called us to, all of us, all of us, every single one of us, called to serve. Oh, that's good. Okay, that's, um, that's a good place to start. And so you might be persuaded by that, but you might think, well, sure, yeah, I, I, can, I, can, get that, um, I can get that it's about, you know, serving. I can see that there's, you know, we're called to serve, we're called to bless, get that. But, but why those in need then? You know, why, why not... Um, you know, is it just because, you know, your current speaker, you know, so he's a bit of a lefty, so of course he's thinking about the poor, but, but you know, you know, and I can remember Jesus washing the disciples' feet, so maybe this is about serving each other and loving each other and loving our families and all those kind of things, and, and, and actually, you know, Jen will just see what time's left when we've done all that and see if there's anything spare, and if there's not, well, never mind. Um, you might have that view, but remember what Lloyd said, remember about not looking at proof text, but the big themes, broad themes right through the scriptures, right across scriptures. So, so this is probably a little counter, a little perspective of some of that. So, again, pregnant pause. It's going to any, any moment now. There we go. The other screen. It goes that first. Okay, right. I should turn that way, shouldn't I? Right. So, <laughs> okay. See, I, I'm I'm like waiting for the suspense over here. It's already there. Right. Okay. So, so let's look um, at um, what God's uh, God's plan really is for an alternative society, and we get a lot of a sense of this because in the Old Testament, when God called one people, one community at a national level to to kind of show his ways and show how it was different from all the nations around, all the, quote, gods around and what they were like. We get a real insight into corporately, how does God want a society to work and how does he want uh, his people to work? Um, and so uh, let's start with, um, here's a great place to start. We could, we could, we, there, there would be, there'd be a hundred scriptures we could go here, but if we just look at Deuteronomy 15, okay, so this is a, this is a um, chapter, chapter which is titled, The Year for Cancelling Debts. So it says, at the end of every seven years, you must cancel debts. Well, that's an interesting thing for a start. I'm not, I'm not even started on that. Um, and then in verse uh, four, um, it says, however, there need be no poor pe people among you. Listen to that. There need be no poor people among you. There is no, there is no inevitability about poverty. Now, ironically, a bit later, passage that everybody remembers, Jesus says, the poor you'll always have with you. And people are. And they stop at their poor lives with you and forget the next bit again, which is, and you can help them anytime you want, by the way. <laughs> so, but, but why were the poor always with us? Well, probably because we've got hard hearts. But the point is, it's not inevitable. There need be no poor people among you. For in the land the Lord your God has given you to possess your, your inheritance, he will richly bless you. And it goes on in verse 7. If anyone is poor among your fellow Israelites, any of the towns of the land the Lord's given you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted towards them. Rather, be open-handed. So we're to be open-handed and warm-hearted, not cold-hearted and tight-fisted. That's great. Um, we look in the Psalms, uh, and, this, and, and I won't turn to this one, but, you know, the, the psalmist, what does, he, what does he love about the Lord? Lots of things. But one of the things is you judge fairly. And it says the poor run to you. Now, that's an amazing thing in the context, right? Because for all the surrounding nations, 
their, quote, gods, their idols, their gods, they were really on the side of the rich and the powerful and and the leaders of those nations because actually the the view was if you've done well you will be being blessed by 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 that god or that idol and therefore if you're rich and powerful that's a sign that you're blessed that's a sign that he's blessing you so actually this idea that actually the poor would run to god is completely counter to what was normal at the time and again if we read uh, in through proverbs there's a couple here that you know says if you oppress the poor you insult God. If you oppress the poor, you insult his maker. And again on a little bit later, it talks about, you know, if you're generous to the poor, it's like you're lending to the Lord and he's going to repay you. So actually, whatever we're doing to the needy, to those who lack that social capital, lack that power, whatever we're doing in that space, it's like we're doing to the Lord. Even back then in Proverbs, we can see it. And, and there isn't time, but if we were just looking a bit more about God's alternative society, we'd look at a wide range of laws that are all about social protection. You're not to mow to the edge of your field. You're to leave a bit around the edge so that people can come along and gather if they need it. You're not, if you lend people, lend any money because they need it, A, you should lend it, and B, you shouldn't charge any interest on it. So it shouldn't, they shouldn't, there should no be, never be such a thing as escalating debt. It's not biblical. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Um, and, uh, oh, and by the way, every seventh year, we'll just cancel it entirely. Oh, and by the way, even if some, even if you've accumulated a bit more land and wealth and stuff than others, then actually in the seventh of the seven years, we'll blow a massive trumpet, call it the year of Jubilee, and all the wealth that you've accumulated, all the land you've accumulated will return back to Farno within their whakapapa, you know, and, and actually because the land is given out to everyone, so everyone in a whole society has means of shelter, has means of production, has a way to sustain themselves, and has a connection through family to others. And that's like, there should never be intergenerational times when that doesn't happen. So within every generation, we will revert, we'll press a big reset button that brings back to a much more equal society. It's amazing, it's fantastic. And that's the alternative society that God outlined in for Israel in the Old Testament, amazing. Of course, the problem we have, as you know, um, is Israel got, um, uh, so the people of God got exiled. One of the reasons they're exiled is they didn't do the, ju- the they didn't do the Sabbaths, they didn't do the Jubilee year, and they were exiled because they weren't putting it into practice. And therein probably is the um, is the tricky thing, right? So is you know, if it relies on human hearts, then that might be its downfall. But of course, that was what God promised, uh, and what that was got what God intended, and it gives us a clue as to how He would like things to be as we work. But why don't we move into the New Testament? Okay, another little cut. Hey, went that way first. Excellent. So. Um, and and if we look in the if we look in the New Testament now, so um, you know again we could do the same sort of survey across what we see. But if we start off with uh, in Luke four, what note, I want to Luke four is the first thing that Jesus said at the start of his ministry. Went to the synagogue and he stood up before the people that he knew and he said, "The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord's on me. He's anointed me to bring good news to the poor." So. That was the very first thing that he said in announcing, what is this, what is this thing going to be all about? What is it actually going to be all about? Well, apparently, 
you know, it's here. The Spirit's Lord is on me. He's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He's sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's code, by the way. Year of the Lord's favor is code for the year of Jubilee, that year where everything equalizes, where all that accumulated riches that leaves others in poverty balances back out again so that there are no more extremes anymore. Of course, there are differences, but it's, it's not like completely flat. But, but in truth, everyone has in that environment. So Jesus proclaims the Jubilee at the very start of his message. So whatever else this is going to be about, it's going to be about this. Oh, okay. And then we th- we go to uh, the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes. You can kind of read. We've 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 done this, we've done surveys on this. We've done studies on this here. And if you read them in Luke, the Sermon on the Players, it's called in Luke. One of the first ones, Jesus says, "Blessed are you who are poor." So there's something happening here for those people who normally are at the marginalised end of it. That somehow God wants them to be not at the marginalised end of it because they're actually singled out for blessing quite scarily a little bit later in that same passage it says woe to you who are rich and the rich are singled out for not blessing <laughs> um so it's the poor who are singled out for blessing and that reminds me i don't so i used to work for british airways right and there was one thing that um you'd um you kind of got one ticket for your family per year as part of your salary and it was in like first class or whatever and i tell you when you're getting on a plane if you get on one of those really big you know, Boeing 747 or whatever you know if you, if you turn kind of right you know you've got a long journey with really cramped leg room and all the rest of it. if you get on the plane you turn left it's just a, a so different world, you know, nice people are bringing you champagne and you can eat anytime you want and you kind of lay, you know, you kind of nice flat bed to lay out and have a little sleep on and it's all lovely and, and you know, it's just, uh, just amazing the care and the attention they give you. Well, well, in our world, the poor and the marginalized generally have to turn right and actually it's the rich that turn left. Well, actually in Jesus' world, it's the other way around. Actually, it's the poor and the marginalized that get to turn left. And we see that. How did that play out? Well, if we look at um, in Acts 4, we think about the early church. There are a few cameos where Luke talks about what it was like in the early church. And one of the things he says in there, he says there were no needy persons among them. Because anyone who'd got you know, land, a property, whatever, would sell it from time to time, lay it at the apostles' feet. And actually, it wasn't that there weren't needy people joining them. Quite the reverse. There were plenty of people with poverty joining them. But nobody stayed poor being part of the church. Because that was, uh, and it wasn't like nobody had written it down. It wasn't law. It was just like this is spontaneously. This is this is what it means to follow Jesus. So, um, so that was a, a pretty radical in its generosity, and we can see from James, uh, you know, again when James is talking, he's he's um, he's challenging people who might treat poor people in a gathering in a in a in a slightly inferior way. We said, you know what? It's, it's the reverse. God's chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith. So we don't buy that. You know, it's, it's not that thing where everyone says, well, of course, everyone's poor in spirit. Oh, we're all poor, really. No, no, no. Those who are poor in the eyes of the world. Well, everybody knows who's poor in the eyes of the world, right? We can see it. And in those people, God has chosen to be rich in faith, which is why in the body of Christ, it says not many of you were wise, not many of you were for noble birth. So that's not the emphasis. The emphasis is God drawing people particularly, especially from those at the uh, margins of society. And of course, when we're thinking about the kingdom, it's not surprising really, because if you think about what's the primary role of a king in the Old Testament, it's to administer justice. So if we're part of a king of the king, if we want to believe in the kingdom of God, maybe doing justice is actually what it's about. So... The upside-down kingdom, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. That's the hallmark. 
Okay, getting a little bit persuaded yet? Maybe. Okay, let's let's crack on. Next thing, even more. Um, that's now gone off. That's really thrown me. <sighs> oh, okay. All right, let's go for another. Ah, oh, that one's back. Ah, fantastic. Okay. <sighs> so, so now I think this is this is probably you know we've 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 got that it might be important. We've got that it might be a hallmark of what Jesus is trying to do with the kingdom. But but that's all very good. But what about the gospel? What about the heart of our faith? You know, what is it to be a Christian? Well, we we kind of think, well, you know, we've all sinned, we've fallen short. You know, Jesus died for our sins, and we can be forgiven. And, you know, we can be right with God. And we'd probably say, yeah, that sounds like the gospel. Um, well, here's an interesting thing, right? Um, Paul went to Jerusalem after, I think it was about 15 years. Um, and he went and he said, he said, I went to set out the message for fear I might have been running my race in vain. So it's like, I'm going to lay out with the, the, the apostles of Jesus. Here's the message of the gospel of grace that I've just explained to you. I'm going to lay that out for them to make sure that we're on the same page here and that, you know, uh, they will affirm that what God, what I've heard from Jesus is actually what they're doing as well or not. And if not, then that's tricky because I might have been running my race in vain. So imagine, you know, imagine the drama about that. You've gone to those people who were eyewitnesses with Jesus and you're sitting with the, the three pillars of the, of the, the then mother church of the whole movement if you like after quite a lot of years and you lay out this thing of well what does it mean to be saved through faith by grace and you lay that out say oh, this is my gospel of grace this is what i believe this is what i believe what happened when jesus died on the cross for us and you let he lays all that out and and imagine what they pick him up on right imagine so he said all of that and it basically said that well they they acknowledged him they said that yeah and do you know what you're called to the gentiles we're called to the jews this is all good we're, you know but it, then they then they said, all they asked was that we continue to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. All they asked. I wonder if that would be on your theological test. If you're going around saying, "Is this an evangelical church? Is this believe in the gospel? Is this believe in the Bible?" What would be on your list? Would it be, and that they continue to remember the poor? Because it was for Peter and James and John and Paul. Is it for us? All they ask, we continue to remember the poor. We can look at Isaiah 58. You know, we know that, you know, that that's, a, again, there is, not, there is not enough time to really delve into this. But, you know, the, the situation there, you know, Israel saying, oh, we're, we're praying, we're fasting, even on Yom Kippur, the day of forgiveness. And God says, do you know what? I, I'm not hearing it because actually you're not treating your workers right. And, 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 and I can see you're fasting, but I'm not, in, I'm not impressed because here's what true fasting is. True fasting will break the yoke of oppression. Again, going back to what does it mean? You know, or James put it, what's true religion? It's to look after orphans and widows in distress. So there's something about the expression of what we're saved for that God doesn't see as an optional extra for certain people who've, got, who've kind of got an inclination or interest in that way. He sees it as essential in the heart. Um, if you weren't overly uh, impressed by that yet, well, let's think about how central how central this thing of, of caring for the poor is. Um, I don't know whether you've seen this verse. This is in Ezekiel. I don't know what you think of when you think of uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. I know what most people think of when they think of Sodom and Gomorrah in popular society, you know, 
held up as a very evil, immoral thing. You know, judgment came down from the Lord. Uh, and, um, you know, uh, and, and, and the, the kind of story uh, that, that relates to that, if you think about it, was, you know, is, remember kind of um, Lot and his family and, you know, the men are outside and they're wanting to do terrible things to... To, to to them and uh you know and, and it's an awful it's an awful situation of uh, really and that's what we think about we think about the sexual ethics of all of that which is pretty hideous but um but in ezekiel um for uh, 1649 it gives us a, a deeper insight into why was why was sodom uh, why was sodom judged by god why did fire come down was it because of all of that depravity well it says this now, this was the sin of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters were arrogant, overfed, and unconcerned. They did not help the poor and needy. Okay. Well, that's an interesting set of hierarchy. So, not saying that the depravity was a good thing, by the way. It certainly wasn't. But actually, it wasn't the heart of it. That was a symptom. The heart of it was this actually having become arrogant, overfed, unconcerned, and not helping the poor and needy. Man. Could go a bit further. We could look at um, Jeremiah 22. Um, in fact, I'll just turn to that now. If I can find Jeremiah. Here we go. And verse Does it make you a king to have more cedar? Didn't your father have food and drink? Well, he did what was just and right, so all went well with him. He defended the cause of the poor and needy, and so all went well. Is that not what it means to know me, declares the Lord? So if we're professing to know God, just think about that for a minute. He defended the cause of the poor and needy. In God's eyes, that's what it means to know him. So actually, incredibly at the center, and... um, Again, we think in the New Testament of Jesus' parable of the sheep and the goats. And um, the crux of that is whatever we do for the least of these, we do for him. Whatever we don't do for the least of these, we don't do for him. So it's absolutely central to the gospel. This is not like a clip-on. We'll go with the you know, go with the main gospel. And then if you've got a particular interest, you know, a special interest group for people who you know, might have a heart for the poor and needy and everyone else will just do other things, you know. It's not like that. This is fundamental to what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus. What are we saved for? We're saved for good works, particularly good works that will lift up the poor and will lift up those who are in, um, yeah, just are, are marginalized and are pulled down by society. So, so this is our calling. This is our mission. And um, it's kind of, it's good. It's kind of also a little bit daunting. I don't know if you feel a little bit daunted. Um, I can, I feel a little bit daunted by this. But um, do you know what? It's just the start of an adventure. I was talking to someone this weekend and I was just talking about what, you, you're talking about all of you lot actually, I was talking about you know, different people, what we're up to. And, uh, and, and they said, yeah, it's amazing. You're so already, God's already made so many connections for you with the poor and the needy in your city. Um, and, uh, and it's true. But actually, it's only the start. It's only the start of what God will do. So what are the keys to moving forward then? Oh, by the way, just coming back to this passage, are you a little bit more convinced now that maybe all Christians are to serve in both word and deed to those in the world who are lacking in those things, the poor and the needy? Maybe we are called to serve the poor. Well, here's, some, here's uh, just in conclusion, some ways to move forward. 
So we can think about our head, our heart, our hands, our wallet or purse, our shoes, and maybe buddies, okay? So we've got six things on there that will help us from move from where we are to be more fully living out what we've just seen, which is amazing, right? It's amazing and transform transformative for so many people. So if we start with our head, well, the first thing is we have to agree with God. So we've just seen what his scripture says, what the truth says. So we have to agree with that regardless of, what, you know, reluctantly or wholeheartedly, doesn't matter. You've got to realize, Dear God, Lord, you're right. You're right. This is actually the heart of what it's about. But in terms of a heart, we have to we have to want to. You know, we can't we're not gonna do this out of obligation or anything like that. It's not gonna be like a drudgery or a chore. We're gonna want to pursue God. We're gonna want to kind of trace out the the uh, the pathways on the muckle to see where it takes us for many people in our society. And um, you know, it's not we might want to help the poor out of ego and superiority, but serving the needy is very different because serving the needy elevates them. And so we hear their voice and they become the God's VIPs, our most important customers, actually, what the church is here for. It was uh, another quote for you. This is uh, some bloke by the name of John Wimber. Apparently it's quite good. Um, he says, we'll never step out of our middle-class mindset and do anything for the poor until we've caught God's heart for them. Our actions will change when our heart is changed. So our heart's really key if we can hear the heart of the Lord. And then we come to our hands. We actually have to do things. You know, Tim has quite things in word and deed. It's not just enough to talk a good talk. We've got to walk the walk. You know, think about what God said to Moses. What is in your hand? And he responded with what he got. Um, and that can be in a variety of ways. We can help meet immediate needs, relief. We can help in development, help supporting people to build their own capability and find their own future. Or we can help in reform at a really system level, dismantling some of those uh, structures that entrench privilege and actually tilt the, the playing field against people who start with less. And um, that's all good. It's all, it's, all, um, it's all valid, whichever level that we work at. Um, again, Mr. Wimber, another time said, give some portion of what you have, time, energy, money on a regular basis to this purpose, to redeeming people, to caring for people. And that led us into nicely into money <laughs> because you note that wallet, wallet and purse is on there. That I think it was, I can't remember who said it was, it might have been Jonathan Edwards, but one of the, or even John Wesley, one of the preachers of old says that the last person, the last part of a person to be converted is probably their wallet, right? So, <laughs> um, but, you know, there is also something about if you're not feeling it, vote with your money, right? Because the Bible says where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So if you don't feel you've got a heart for the poor, start giving money. Start using your resources in that way. Start giving your time. And as you give, actually, maybe your heart will, will come. But I'm really uh, struck, you know, and I think there are now loads of amazing ways to give, you know, to, to give in a financial sense and a resource sense. You know, think about, you know, the work of John Kirby and, and Christians Against Poverty. I think about Kiva that allows you to give little microfinancing loans to people in developing countries that they can pay back and you know, start a business and then, then you can relend it again and again and again. Amazing things. We've got things in our city. We were just talking the other day about Everyone Eats, you know, an amazing little cafe that um, people volunteer at and actually it, it reduces social exclusion, but also they're using food that otherwise would be thrown away. 
and they're turning it into great three course meals and serving it and all you do is you pay what you feel so you know they get donations if actually if you're on hard times it doesn't matter you don't have to pay you can everyone gets to eat so it's amazing amazing things um so many things we could talk about child sponsorship i love to there's a charity i love called practical action they use really simple low technology things that fundamentally change societies in the developing world you know they have this like amazing thing like how do, how do you stop your food going off when it's really hot if you don't have a fridge you ever think about that it's kind of weird. They have these amazing pots where you just, the design of the pot means you put a little bit of water, but you have a smaller pot and a bigger pot, put a little bit of water in between it, put a little tea towel thing over the top. Really simple low-tech technology can preserve food for, for like, you know, way, way more days than in a hot climate than otherwise preserved. This is all amazing stuff that helps lift people out of poverty, and it's really low-tech. It's amazing. So there's lots of things we could do on a, on a practical level, but I'm very struck as well by, I think God calls us to be both Sure, resource-wise, but some of that can feel a bit transactional. Whereas actually, we we need to connect in a way that is relational as well with people who need it. And you know, God's you know God's already put a whole number of us can in connection. You know, I think about you know people like I think about Fiona. Your work with where is Fiona? Can't see Fiona. Your 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 work with the homeless. You know, in your in his part of your job, poor your work with uh, you know needy communities in South Auckland, representing them and 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 helping them to navigate the justice system. You know, think about Rachel, Rachel Parker, if you're still on the screen, you know, doing the IT support so Vision West can do what it does to help poor communities there, you know, and so many others, you know, we could we could think about, you know, um, you know, people like Katie and Simon actually serving in schools and actually educating uh, kids from a whole variety of backgrounds and really helping to model something different. And equally, I think um, even things like Matthew working for RNZ, you know, bringing you know how the how the voiceless get depicted in our society is amazing and you know he's placed there strategically by god you know to be able to bring a different perspective that's informed by the kingdom so there's there's loads of there's loads of um ways that we connect in a more relational way as well as a transactional one. and that brings me to, to the fifth one which is shoes okay if you're feeling a bit frustrated or stuck about this then shoes might be the answer what i mean by that is we have to go places. Context is everything. You know, we think about the story of the Good Samaritans because the guy was on the road. Because he was on the road, he came across something and then he had an opportunity to do something. And, you know, we maybe just live our life, but um, there was a guy called um, a, 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 an aesthetic in Syria many years ago, real, apparently really spiritual Christian, called Simon Stylites, if that's the right way to pronounce it. And he spent 37 years living on a pillar, right? And at first of all, his pillar was three meters high. That's probably quite high, as big as this room. And then a little bit later, he was living on one that was 15 meters high. Now, I have to say, in that context, I wonder how he did all the one anothering that you see in the scripture about, you know, what it means to be church. It would have been hard. Why was it hard? Well, because his context, he was just above a pillar. He had a little bit of food passed up to him, presumably passed down other things. You know? <laughs> Not going to get too into the unsavory version. Of that. But, the, but the point was, he was in a context where it was going to be really super, super hard to live out all of the scriptures. He can only do some of it because he put himself in a context where he was cut off. And it's amazing our society, with all the urban planning, all the other stuff that happens, we can find ourselves just never mixing in circles with people who actually are in, in need. Very easy to live your life you know, in isolation for those people. So maybe shoes is the answer. Just just go do something. Get an interest. Go find some things. It's something that brings you in, in, in touch with, with, with people and just see what God does. And finally, um, in terms of a way that we could move forward, is buddies. And uh, there's probably a little vi visual illustration for this. So 
This is a visual illustration. This is very real to me. It's very live because this is my house right now. As you know, Nikki is away. And um, so I was doing some jobs yesterday. And uh, one of those jobs, I was, I was basically moving, moving a couple of bookcases around. So there's a small bookcase I was moving to from the downstairs to the upstairs. And there's a big bookcase I was going to be moving from the upstairs to the downstairs. And um, my, my, my lesson, the, the life lesson that I got from that was um, there are some things in this life that work as an individual person. And there are some jobs that actually need more than one person. Right? <laughs> and this is one of them, particularly because as I got it down the stairs, I, it suddenly, I suddenly realized I was, <laughs> it was nearly at the bottom. Oh, lots of strain. I suddenly realized, hmm, I've got a funny feeling when we brought this in, we didn't bring it up the stairs. We brought it round the outside and through the patio doors into the top of the house. <laughs> I'm not sure it ever went through that archway in the first place. So I was like, oh, okay, well, I'll reverse it. And then, of course, the next lesson was, do you know what? It's actually a whole lot heavier to move it up the stairs than it was to take it down. So it's a bit stuck. So I'm going to ask someone to maybe come around and give you a hand because then I was like, well, I can't even get to the downstairs of my house. I've actually got to go out the house and come back in and go up the front door in order to go to the bedrooms that are downstairs. And then I'll go back all the way around. So, so I, it's a bit dysfunctional. Anyway, look, that's kind of a bit of fun at my expense. But look, the, there is a broader point here, right, which is that there is a range of things you can do if you do them on your own. And then there's a much bigger range of things that you can do if you can do them with other people. And that's why buddies matters, right? Because some of what God might, might want to call us to do to serve the poor is stuff that isn't just a solo pursuit. And if all we limit ourselves to is, as good as it is, supporting the individual touch points we each have, that will only be part of what God wants to do and what God wants to reveal. So buddies is really important. So... So there are a few ways that we can maybe move forward uh, with this calling that we've got. Um, so I want to just bring us to a close now and um, maybe just we'll finish. So why don't we just all stand together? Lloyd, if you want to, do you want to come up? And I wonder if we can um, just, just we're going to pray together and just kind of spend a little bit of time just waiting on the Lord as we pray. Here's the here's the question that I that I think um, I'm asking myself, uh, and maybe we can ask ourselves: Is how will my life be good news to the poor, and how will our life together be good news for the poor? That's the question. Don't feel it as a pressure. Feel it as an opportunity. It's an opportunity. Something the Holy Spirit is up to with us, a place He's taking us to give much more full expression to his, his upside-down kingdom. So um, just uh, Lloyd's going Lloyd's gonna to start with a song in a minute, but just before he does that, I would just wonder whether maybe we could uh, just start by an affirmation, if you're okay with that, and, and maybe we could just read this together, this truth, read it fairly slow. See if you can, um, you know, given that, you know, we are, we are Jesus' disciples and this is his mission, Maybe we can make it our mission too. So why don't we read this? The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So as we just um, enjoy a, 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 just a, a final song now as we close, if, 
if God's been speaking to you about any of that, if God's nudging you a bit, then um, it's just a good opportunity just to kind of rest in him and listen to him and see what's next for you. God bless you.